Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Absolutely love putting out these podcasts and I appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen to my podcast as uh, this is a passion project for me and I absolutely love bringing these interviews to you guys uh, because I know you're motocross nerds like I am. Staying up late at night watching the uh, motocross files or the motocross vault with uh, Tony Blazer or uh, what have you watching old supercrosses. You're that kind of guy. If you listen to this podcast, you probably watch a lot of those old races just like I do. Um, on this episode of the Big MX Radio podcast, we've got Jason Gerald from Phoenix Handlebars, a small handlebar company out of California that's uh, been making some waves lately. And uh, what really stuck out to me about Jason is just how real he is and uh, how he approaches marketing his brand. It's all about the customer experience and uh just getting you back out riding your motorcycle, enjoying the experience of putting them on the bike, and, uh, and just getting in that next awesome ride. I hope that you guys enjoy his story and uh, follow along because there's some really cool stuff that comes up with him working for Fox Racing in the past. But uh, shout out to uh, for J- to Jason for uh, letting us pick his brain for over an hour and uh, just give us a ton of cool stories. And uh, for those who enjoy the podcast, please let me know. Drop me a line, uh, both on Instagram. Brad Gebhardt 88, or if you want to send me an email, if you're old school like that, send me an email at bradgebhardt88 at gmail.com, and I would love to hear from you and how you enjoyed the podcast. Now, without further ado, Jason Gerald. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com right now and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO20 to save 50 Wow, to not it's not say fifteen percent anymore. Now it's a twenty percent off discount code. That's Big MX Radio twenty to save twenty percent off every single one of your orders at Medterra CBD. They recently upped our uh, discount by five percent, and that's tripped me up just about every podcast that I've have uh, done since they extended that about a month ago. I am your host, Brad Gebhart. With us on the line, a very special guest making his very first appearance on the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Medterra is Jason Gerald. Jason, how's it going? I'm doing good, bro. How are you doing? Hey, not doing too bad, my friend. It's a uh, a cold and cloudy day here in uh, the middle of Canada, but I, uh, I hope that uh, things are a little sunnier, a little bit warmer down in SoCal where uh, you call home. No, it's it's pretty brutal down here. I mean, we're it's I think it's like sixty degrees, so sixty four. So yeah, I feel you, man. I feel oh. your exact pain. I don't know what that like translates into Celsius, but it's it's frigid, frigid. I think that's about eighteen degrees, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I could be <laughs> off by one or two, but the fact that I can even remotely do that conversion is a pat on the back that might throw up my shoulder. But we're gonna move on. We're gonna talk a little bit uh, about uh, who the heck Jason Gerald is and why he's come. Why uh, we're dedicating an entire podcast just to you. Um, and this all stems from a uh, a conversation that uh, that started about two or three days ago. Uh, a good friend of mine through social media, um, Why Zingers, was uh, ta- was uh, telling me about uh, uh, Phoenix Handlebars. I. Uh, click through to uh, find out who the hell it is and 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 start to like and share and uh, and try and find out a little bit about the brand i come to find out the guy behind the brand is probably a cooler story than the brand itself but they're all tied together tell me about it oh man well first off what a that's a heck of an intro man i'm not even worthy of that neither am i 
that was that was good. Um, well, which part do you want to hear about? Like, I, I don't know that. I, again, I don't feel like I'm really all that interesting. I mean, other than I'll give you my quick backstory. So uh, I'll do the best I can. Quick, I'm long-winded. Grew up in the sticks, you know, cornfields of Indiana. Okay. And lived in the motorcycle magazines. Always wanted to just, you know, like so many of us, want to be a pro racer. As as life went on, and you realize that I'm not very fast whatsoever. And it was really looked up to those industry, you know, those industry people were, were really, really neat to me. Well, as luck would have it after once I was, I was working in a motorcycle shop back there, the, the annual trade show started coming to Indianapolis and we had a really cool store. So there was a lot of this stuff like where the, the heavies in the industry would come out and, you know, they'd already be there for the trade show Well, they'd come to our store. And I just, I felt like I knew it at kind of an early stage that it's like I was going to do something in the motorcycle industry, although not to this degree. I just felt like this is the place for me. I love the motorcycle industry. Yeah, maybe I'd just be pushing a broom like at Dunlop Tires. I don't know, but I knew I'd be there. So one thing led to another, worked in some shops, and uh, life led me to landing at, at Fox Racing back in uh january of 2000 and it was just that was sort of the start of my dreams coming true of working in the motorcycle industry no big deal for the next you you kind of started (laughs) at the penthouse well did the day that i walked through that front door and this was back like when it was in morgan hill and i walked through the front door and you see and that's kind of an iconic lobby from you know from our standpoint but it had like great big like you know metal fox head behind the, the receptionist's like desk and there was donnie schmidt's chesterfield yamaha and just like walking in and seeing that technocell seat cover like every day you know just walk over and touch it and then later on they brought uh pastrana's um rm125 the one that he backflipped into the San Francisco Bay. That would be like in there, you know, just, and seeing that stuff like every day was, that was a pinch me moment, you know, for me. And I was just a lowly inside sales guy. And I did that for a good handful of years until one day I got a really lucky nod to get to go upstairs and become a product developer, which I'm not a product developer. I didn't even know, like, I mean, I knew what it, met but I didn't know how to do it and that was a big time being in the right place at the right moment well because I was kind of probably the shittiest of product developers they also gave me I kind of got all the crap work I worked on all the gloves moto and bike but the cool part was if they needed somebody to help out with elbow pads knee pads hey Jay we need somebody to like you know measure pants you know hey Jay we need somebody to like put these pants on and do a fitting real quick and I was that guy. And so I got to do like all the stuff until eventually, you know, I mean, I, I was learning the craft and got to like go to the factories. I mean, we did a really cool factory tour with all the designers and the developers. We went over, flew into like Northern China and just worked our way down the, the coastline going to like all the factories. So like even the stuff I didn't work on, I got to see like what it takes to bring you know, boots, you know, to fruition. And I got like just that, that education in three weeks of being over in Asia. It was crazy. So 
so yeah, so Fox was a huge part of like what kind of got me started off on the right foot. You're right. It was kind of like starting at the pinnacle of it, if you will, to a certain degree. Cause I mean, we were a marketing machine and the, the neat part that a lot of people don't get to see is how much care went on behind the scenes. Cause you know, Fox always got kind of dubbed that place that was, you know, mall stores and didn't care about moto and all that stuff. And I'm sitting here like going, hmm. Yeah, if you know, if you got to see what I got to see, you wouldn't say that. So, it was rad. Absolutely, and I'll go on record as saying that uh, Fox definitely got villainized for going out and making money. <laughs> like, um, the like the on the the T-shirt sales and the uh, sort of the um, the licensing that they like must have made through like. Paxson and up here in Canada, West 49 and all those stores that carried it. Uh, you'd see it in the mall. Definitely hurt their sort of that core brand here in motocross. Uh, but actually, I'd say since then, uh, right in around when uh, Chad Reed started wearing it back in 2012, they sort of picked that back up again and now they're the, uh, the, the cool kid in town again. But there was a, like, I, I, probably... A lot of, I'd say wrongly, a lot of uh, mo- like core motocross people uh, cast them aside uh, for for no other reason than the fact that uh, it wasn't sort of special in ours anymore, which is kind of a bummer. For sure. Well, and like as a moto head, and I was always a loyal Fox guy. I still have my 1987 Fox catalog. I, that's my first catalog, and I still have it. Love it downstairs. I I always wanted to be a Fox guy. So my dreams of again kind of go back to my dreams of like working in the motorcycle industry started with the coolest company. But when I walked in the doors of that place on 2000, my first ever phone call to Dan Ball at North End Cycle in Elkhart, Indiana, was him opening up with double barrel shotguns on me, being pissed off that Fox didn't have any like thing in stock because all those mall stores. And I was like, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I worked for Fox. And my first phone call was that. <laughs> just getting blown out of the water I'm like, Love it. oh shit what did i walk into and and you know and i kind of there became these things because i worked in a motorcycle shop i was able to start telling people what i saw from this side of the counter and it gave me credibility because i'd been one of them i started in a shop which is one of the things i always tell people you want to work in the industry start in the shop you know work in your local shop it's a great place to like get your feet wet understand how the industry works and it made me relatable to Dan that day. This guy that I didn't know who, again, double barrel shotgun me, like, you know, pissed off. But I got to tell him, I'm like, hey, look, for starters, Paxson, your place up there, north of the border, they weren't like, we weren't out of product because of Paxson or Tilly's or any of them. Like, we weren't out of dirt paws and, and 180 pants. They weren't getting any of that stuff. We were out of those things because the band, the brand was blowing up and we blew out forecast and now we were chasing it. You can't just like get product made. Like, you know, when you're like upside down, you can't get stuff made like, like in a couple of days, it's like, you know, 90 day lead times, 120 day lead times. And now all of a sudden you're just, you're chasing that. So we were constantly out on inventory and we were always getting like yelled at because they thought it was mall stores that were the reason why. And then that wasn't the case. But the mall store, you know, that, that mainstream media arguably is what helped to make the brand even more popular because now you've got people who are 
being introduced to our sport. And I used to tell people, I'm like, okay, like you wear DC shoes. Do you wear them because you skateboard? No, you probably wore them because that's what McGrath and Emig and all those guys wore. But you yeah. started off as a skateboard brand, right? It was a skateboard brand. But now we're wearing it because our moto heroes are. So what do you think, like, say, like, the skate crew, like, thought about, like, us wearing vans and all that stuff? They ventured out. You know, they, like, they put money into our little market. So, yeah, yeah, I figured out little ways to try to, like, kind of spin it a little bit. But most of the time it fell on deaf ears because, again, like you said, it was, you know, Fox was our moto brand that now was, you know, kind of being handed out to other people. Like, where people would say, like, I see you wearing a Fox shirt. What do you ride? And they wouldn't ride. I'm like, yeah, but did you ask them if they pedal? Do they BMX? Do they mountain bike? Do they wakeboard? You know, we were involved in all those sports too. So, yeah, it's a lifestyle, so Mike. Especially, it's not, especially if they're not wearing a jersey. Like a t-shirt is just a t-shirt. If you like the way it looks, go for it, man. Like, I used to have to even deal with that one. I mean, think like, you know, go to uh, let's see, what's your what's your hockey, what's your hockey team? Winnipeg Jets. Who's yours? There you go. I bet you a few people wear jerseys to that game. Oh, tons. None of them are playing. I'm one of them. None of them are on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I don't right. even take warm-ups. Well, they kinda... won't even let me. <laughs> so think of the irony that, like, people will wear jerseys to, like, a hockey game, but yet will blast people for, like, rocking a jersey to a Supercross event. It's like, well, that's kind of, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Oh. I'm not wearing a jersey to either. But the thing is, is like say it's just like say the argument to me was always kind of lame. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we're a long ways away from Phoenix handlebars on this story at this point, right, man? Sorry. Well, I was waiting for you to get to it. I think there's a few jobs, a couple of firings, and maybe a layoff slip away. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I'm sure well, we'll get there along the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Well, what do you want? You read the well, story. Be- the before me. before we leave Fox, I need the best Beaker story that you can say uh, on the air. Well, I'll never forget the first time I saw him, like walking down the hallway, because he was a loyal Chad Reed Thor guy, yes. right? And I'd only knew him from the magazines, and um. So it was it was kind of strange that day that I saw him walking down there, and the reason you know we he was coming over was obviously due to that chat. I'm sorry to the uh, James Stewart and Ricky Carmichael. Scott Taylor was handling both of them, and then they brought on Beaks to be able to take care of of James. Right, and and, and it was like you know, it, I was probably still like when he was kind of at his heyday, I was still downstairs in sales, and sales was just we were a little bit separated from that. So I'd always see him like we were such a moto family like back then i mean it was really really like in hindsight looking back at like every party every event that we did like outside the company was still all of us from fox like we all worked together then everybody seemed to like still do stuff outside that so my first one was just like being like at a was really just being at um uh, New Year's Eve party and just remembering him just like you know like he didn't really know anybody and just being you know drunker than drunk like over there just smiling like how he always does and mm-hmm. you know just, so it just was cool to like be like almost like in his presence and I remember just thinking wow that's really cool this is Beaker and he was just always around um, and then when he moved up to NorCal it was pretty cool just to like see him like every day because he was just such a, a rad dude because in my mind 
anybody who was like into magazines would have been like, you know, celebrity status. And here's this dude just like hanging with us. And, and it was just like one of the, one of the dudes. So, so yeah, not a great story, but it was just a good dude. I like him. Fair enough. My first impression of him was I thought he was going to be taller. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be completely honest, um, but uh, yeah, no, Beaker's not a not a exactly a uh, an imposing individual, but he does have that stature. Yeah. He walks into the room, he's got his Lakers hat on, uh, most likely sunglasses, cloudy outside, um, <laughs> and yeah, that, that's just sort of him. He, he he does have an aura around him, and that he was he was around Chad at Chad's peak. He was at uh, around uh, James around. I'd say somewhat of James's peak as well. Perfect season certainly uh, is 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 pretty damn good. Only one other guy did it, and he did it twice. Um, and of course, I guess they work together as well. Um, but okay, so working within the motocross industry, you've come across a ton of uh, uh, interesting characters, um, both educated and not educated, uh, both experts and not experts. Um, but at some point along the way, you decide that um, that the the handlebar space is uh, that there's room for another brand, that there's room for for someone else to come in and uh, not only do things a little bit differently, but uh, approach the 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 whole marketing of uh, a great handlebar a little bit differently. Where does that moment come in for you, and why start Phoenix Handlebars? You know, like everything is. You know, obviously, like, life is all those little stepping stones that lead you to, like, where you need to be. Mine was, like, went from Fox Racing to a little company called Hammerhead Designs. They do, like, shift levers and brake pedals. Um, it was pretty cool, like, you know, CNC stuff. Um, that was, like, my almost, like, like being pushed out of the uh, the nest from Fox Racing, where I was more of a cog in the machine to, like, at Hammerhead where now I'm like kind of acting like a GM. So I got to like realize that I knew a lot more about different aspects of the business rather than just that sales side or just being a product developer. I was having to do a lot of different things. Not that I was like, so we just, we were a small group. So you get to wear a lot of hats. That led me to MSR, uh, Malcolm Smith Racing was looking for a brand manager for their hard parts division. Well, because I was already doing hard parts within Hammerhead, kind of made sense and I needed to move them to SoCal well weirdly enough MSR answer and pro taper all owned by Tucker Tucker Rocky at the time actually were in the old Fox building in SoCal Fox had just moved out of that building Pete Fox and the crew made that really bitchin building just like just down the road right we MSR answer pro taper were all in the old Fox building which is very strange to walk through those doors not that I ever worked out of that building, but I used to go down there and work out of it occasionally and to walk into it and it's not Fox anymore. It's those other brands. That was weird. Well, I became the MSR hard parts brand manager and it was awesome. It was really, really cool. Uh, the MSR hard parts was kind of a redheaded stepchild. Wasn't really a glamorous brand. You know, we made a lot of private label stuff, you know, like, from like all balls or something like that with MSR logos on it. And again, wasn't necessarily glamorous product. And it was like coming from like a Fox racing. That was like always hard for me. Cause it's like, I love the marketing that was behind Fox racing. Well, one day somebody comes in 
and brings up the fact that it was one of the designers and he said that his buddy goes, Hey, AJ, did you know that MSR stands for Malcolm Smith racing? And we all kind of like, Holy shit, we've done a really bad job of telling our, our story. If people don't know that it stands for something. No kidding. And if you know anything about Malcolm, and if you know anything about Malcolm Smith, I've met him, you know, that he's an, there you go. You know, he's a cool guy. Very. And he's actually, he's, uh, he's part Canadian, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's right. You're, yeah. I did forget about that. Yep. Well, everything about Malcolm from like the on any Sunday stuff was like, and he was always happy just to ride his motorcycle, whether it was riding or racing, riding for fun, racing, it didn't matter. And so to me, that three little letter acronym of MSR needed to be expanded back out to what it is. And that's Malcolm Smith racing. And I'm not going to say take like all their credit for it, but I do feel like I really lobbied hard to make sure that we started to tell that story again. So we had revised the logo. We brought in Malcolm Smith racing. Trust me, I'm getting to the Phoenix handlebar side of stuff here. I don't trust you, but all right. All right. It's coming. (laughs) So basically in that, like in that branding, even though I was just the hard parts, I wanted that branding to be back to like taking a brand that was just about utilitarian product and trying to make it to be about what Malcolm was about. And that was like writing for fun. So trying to have more pictures of people like with helmets off the fun, the, you know, the, the part of moto that everybody loves that's like sitting on the tailgate or like, like on the lawn chairs BSing like after, after a good ride to me, that's like in the, what Malcolm would have been about. So they, they kill the brand from Takaraki's standpoint. I'm just, we'll just get to the crux of it. So they kill the brand and in doing so, I lost my job. I found myself unemployed. Well, I'm a, as I'm home, I'd always wanted to start my own company and handlebars to me was something that I always thought looked really cool. One of the things like I had, I had, uh, got some bars for my mountain bike and seeing how the bend options were, were just so much less complicated than trying to like find bends like for moto where they're all over the map, different widths, different heights, different sweeps named after writers that people haven't even, like, you know, the kids today didn't even yeah, ever watch. Bradshaw bend <laughs> here like in McGrath. 2020. Love it. Right. Right. You know, McGrath. I mean, I think it was like, like on a, another, you know, podcast where I think I heard, uh, I think it was Chase Sexton say, it's like, yeah, I never even saw McGrath race. You're like, holy shit. It's like, you know, it's like, I mean, I get that they're legends, but those names built around that to me were always kind of, kind of odd. So I wanted to simplify that down. But more importantly than like trying to like make bars just merely be simple, it was like, it was trying to create a brand that like maybe the everyday writer associated with, you know, it's like something that, that people felt like a connection with that brand because it was like, you know, I didn't want to be necessarily the face of the company, but at the same time, you kind of have to be. And like, maybe it's like, if I'm just like a regular old moto dude like you, then people like tend to like be like, well, that's rad. And you know, and this, this place gets me. And I wanted to tell all that story, which to me was sort of a continuation of what I was trying to do with MSR hard parts. Fair enough. There well, you go. Like, there, there's a minutes later, you almost got your answer. Hundred percent, and I, I appreciate you giving me uh, a long-winded, candid answer, which uh, took us down a, a <laughs> lot of different rabbit holes. Um, and, and just it just adds to the uh, 
to to the to the length and and quality of the podcast. I know a lot of people dr- uh, listen to the podcast while they're driving, and uh, perhaps someone has a long commute, and they 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 got to enjoy um, your uh, your journey within that. And but the um, what I'm getting from you right now or is that never, the, or they'll never buy our bars after they'll be so annoyed they'll like be like holy shit I'll never like give that guy like one loony a loony maybe a toonie though because we have those now as well um they're worth twice as much uh but uh (laughs) like a bar for the everyman someone something that someone can relate to and I think that's uh maybe the uh really the linchpin of what you make your brand successful is that it's uh it's extremely a relatable brand and it's built solely for those who really just value that that throttle therapy i've called it that for years now is getting out on the motorcycle you you load up the bike at the end of the day and you just have this overwhelming feeling of just like yeah we went out there uh maybe i wasn't the fastest guy maybe i uh, didn't have the quickest lap times but that one moment where i laid the bike over and and had a really cool turn or i must have looked cool in the air that one time but no one was taking a picture um that's what it's all about. And I think that's what your brand is for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the hard part is like, I feel like when you tell that story that it, it may be like, what's the word I want to say? Like it, it may be like, say like kind of skips past the part, like whether people feel like it's a quality product or not, because in this day and age, it's like anybody could just go to like, you know, Asia, you know, especially like when you think about Chinese made product and get a set of just cheap bars and throw your name on there it's the thing about like a brand like mine. It's like, there's a lot of trust involved when you're putting on a set of handlebars. And if it's your Renthal and you've got 30 or 40, whatever it is, world championships, they've, they've obviously earned that trust, you know, same with like, like a pro taper. So there's that part of me that's like, I love the marketing story because I don't want to like all the, all the bullet points and features to me are, are like say that's that's not what it's really about. But at the same time, it is important to be like, all right, Hey, we're not just like, you know, yeah, I have, I have a factory, but I had a relationship with them that I had started back at MSR. So having that trust myself with like, you know, good quality product was always going to be key because you don't, I don't want to trick people. That's not what I'm about. It's like, no, you know, it's like I wanted a product that you could put on your bike, know that you were like dialed. I want you to have to rethink, you know, I have to be thinking about whether the bars that I gave this little company, you know, their money, like, are they going to like fold to the like radiators? If, if I, you know, if I come up short, like I can jump, no products good, but I like the marketing story. So take that for what it's worth. It's. I know, I totally agree. Like there, there's some people who could possibly uh, misconstrue a story to like you said, like, Oh, oh like they're kind of like uh, painting us this picture because they're not just giving us the facts of, of what makes the bar so great. Um, but in, in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of people who, like, say, take a brand like Pro Circuit. Um, I'd be willing to bet that there's not a lot. There's a lot of people who buy a Pro Circuit pipe and silencer or uh, exhaust system who don't really do the homework as far as like, is this pipe even better than the one that comes on my stock bike? They buy it because they think that some way along the way that Mitch Payton, the the man himself, is going to somehow know that you bought that pipe and that you guys are part of some sort of cool exclusive club, and uh, and that's why it's cool. Um, so like that, there is value in that story that like that, that sort of, uh, bringing people in is that, uh, that brings like a lot of value to a company. Yeah. 
Or maybe I'm way off. Uh, my phone cut out. I don't know if I say that was on or Andrew. It was kind of cutting out a little bit there. Oh, okay. Um, I like. Uh, I could reiterate what I said, and I can just edit it afterwards. I was no. basically saying that. Uh, am I good now? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, I was just saying that, like, basically, there's people out there who they absolutely love the uh, a brand like Pro Circuit, and they'll they'll go ahead and and purchase uh, a Pro Circuit exhaust system, not because it their their bike's gonna perform better, but because they they want to be part of that exclusive club. They want to be somehow connected to Mitch Payton, and and Mitch Payton is gonna somehow know that uh, they purchased that piping silencer, and 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 that right. sort of you know what I mean makes them part of that uh, that yeah. story. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I think the same thing for Fox, too. honestly. Like, Fox is uh, is along that same line. Yeah, I can see that. So, mm-hmm. but what, uh, on the technical side of things, um, what are you most proud of that your your uh, your product does do well? Definitely the, the simplicity, like, like, on the website. It's like, I, I mean... I think, like, say that when you think about like that, I've made bars easier to shop for. I think that part still stands true. Making it making it easy is unfortunately not still been the case because people will always have the like question is like, well, what bin do I need? You know, and like, I wish that was like a quick, easy answer. It 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 isn't because you know it's like you know you're trying. How tall are you? What bike is it going on? What are you currently running? You know, there's obviously a laundry list of questions that still get it there, but. When people tell me that that it was so much easier to like like purchase a set of bars like like, like on the website that the experience was awesome, you're like, yeah, awesome. That's what I wanted to hear. You know, it's like that part of will always stoke me out just because I don't want people to like feel like when you're dropping a hundred dollars that when you hit when you hit like you know buy that you're still like that you're scared that you got the right thing or not is this going to be good i mean i guess i still have a lot of that with people but i feel like for the most part i've seen it like on social people will like be like you know they'll take pictures of themselves like of the of their order placed and will share it like as an instagram post like that's pretty awesome that is cool (laughs) it's like that people would actually like tell the world that they placed an order for a little a little handlebar company that most people haven't even heard of that's what tells me that I think I'm doing something right. Um, you know, we kind of pride ourselves like in the whole packaging experience, like when it shows up to your door, um, like I screen print the boxes, like, you know, myself, I don't have them like shipped out. I've got a screen print. I lay you know, put them on the garage floor and I screen print both sides. It's time consuming. But the thing is, is for me, it's like, you took your hard earned money and you gave it to I can always say it, a little company that most people have never heard of. How could I not like try to make you seem like, you know, feel like you got something really special for all that? Is it, you know, it's, it's the packaging is part of the experience, you know, like that thing of like making people feel really special about what it is that we do. It's like Moto's already freaking awesome. You know, it's something that not everybody like does. It makes, we always walk around with like a little bit of pride with our shirts on or if our, you know, motos in the back of our truck, it makes you feel like a rock star. So I try to like, like put all that even into the, into the packaging. I, I, th- I think that's a great approach. And, and, and that sort of reminds me of a book that I'm currently reading uh, by 
Terry O'Reilly, who uh, basically uh, illustrates that, like in in sort of the uh, the positioning of a brand or the message of a brand, um, like like Phoenix is like it's like Nike doesn't sell running shoes. Nike sells the motivation to use the running shoes. That that every single person is an athlete and they can go do it, and they and they can just go do it. And that that's uh, sort of their message, or similar to the fact that Starbucks doesn't sell coffee. Yes, you know, of course they sell coffee, but they sell that whole experience to your your sort of average white girl who's going to walk into a uh, a Starbucks and they're going to be able to order a very complicated sounding drink and they have that experience of of having the the cup in their hand and, and that like that that's what they sell is the the, the co- getting coffee experience, not exactly the cup of coffee itself. Dude, I've said a bazillion times it's like half the fun of moto happens on the track. But the other half of moto that's so fun is the part that's, you know, like at the taqueria on the tailgate of the truck, like on the drive home, you know, reliving it with your, with your buddy, you know? And, and to me, if you're a moto dude or chick, you know, you're the only one who gets that. Yeah. No, that's why none of us mind that it's an hour drive to the track. It's just Mm -hmm. like, Oh, could it be two hours? Sure. Let's go. Let's go to the two hour track. That way we get four hours of talking about the track we're going to ride and then another two hours of talking about the track we rode. Like, but we put about 45 minutes on the bike. I I didn't have a bike for another story for another day, but I I didn't have a bike for a couple of years. I, I sold it partially to start this i was also working sort of for dirt rider so i was like well, why am i going to ride my old bike i'll just ride bikes that we've got there so i didn't have a bike for two years and i couldn't really swing the cake because i was using all my money for for growing this business and so i just got a new ktm finally it was time to like get back like you know like on the bike maybe feel like i was living a lie for for two years but um man you take away like being able to do air filters because you just simply can't like now it's like when I do an air filter, I, I look at it with like, you know, a different set of eyes. I'm like, yeah, I get to do air filters. It's like, because that means I get a dirt bike again. Perspective. And I'm stoked to be out there doing it. Not, I should maybe stoked a heavy word, but I, I appreciate doing it. So. Personally, I like to dial up my friend, Scott Burnworth over at Maxima, who hooks me up with, uh, uh, pro filters. Um, I, I don't wash them. I, uh, I do actually, I do, <laughs> wash them and then reuse them. I re-oil the ones that he sends me. But uh, more often than not, I- I'm just going with a fresh one uh, about 80% of the time, thanks to my good friend Scott over at uh, Maxima. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because I talked to Scott Benson, uh, Steve Benson, sorry, Steve Benson, who's, I don't know what his job role is over there, but yes, I just spoke to him last week because they posted a job for a marketing manager position on motorcycle industry jobs. I may have leveraged that to get some some of those ten dollar filters fair enough I might well, some, but if i can backstock if i can backstock some pro filters all the more rad uh i've also come to find out that you know quite a bit about motorcycle industry jobs uh like that that's kind of a that falls within your canopy as well yeah it sure does yeah i uh i've been helping out the guy that started it alex Balon. he started mij 15 years ago um, after I was at Bonnier, which is who owned Dirt Rider and Cycle World and Motorcyclists, I was only there for a short time. They actually ended up having to clip 
a whole bunch of us like like one day because the print world went from seven titles down to three and it was kind of a sad day we, i mean it was like you know everybody saw it was coming and i lost my job for the second time in like a year which was you know a little demoralizing but you know hey this is what happens and and as luck would have it i started working with uh with mij alex it was nice because having been unemployed twice i felt like i could kind of another one of those things be relatable to people who found themselves in the same position and be able to help them out i don't i'm not a recruiter but there's just inevitably that part that i've got my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry so a lot of people come to me like when they hear about you know that they've lost their job or if they need help and the way i kind of think about like what I do with MIJ it's like I mean if, if, if I'm doing my job there to try to help good people be in good brands passionate people who want to be around motorcycling all of that to me ultimately elevates the sport and makes it cool and if people are riding dirt bikes then there's still a reason why people would need handlebars and grips if people decide to go like play golf instead then there's not much reason for people to like need some like dirt bike bars, you know? So it always behooves me to make sure that I'm doing my part to keep our industry strong. So, yeah, so I, I work with MIJ on a Monday through Friday and still have Phoenix handlebars, you know, like say, obviously my baby that I work seven days a week and never stop thinking about. No kidding. And, uh, something you've been, like Phoenix is something you've been working at for uh, a, a number of years now. Um, like what are, what's been sort of the learning process in developing that brand? Um, I knew that it was going to be slow growth. It's just hard because you're, when I, when I launched it, I launched it with like big bike handlebars. I've got seven eighths inch and I have inch and an eighth. Well, the way that I did my bends were to only uh, to minimize it. So I basically have four bends just in different heights. All the widths are the same. They're all 800 millimeters wide. They all have a 57 millimeter sweep. Then there's four height options, 70, 80, 90, and 100. So it was really cool. It's like, it's very simplified. Uh, I promise you it'll work for 95% of the people who swing a leg over a bike. Those select few that are, you know, really, really particular may not like the bend, but the rest of us will all be totally fine. It's a, you know, it's a, and we adapt. I promise it's good. The part that's been hard is just that I always want more, you know, you want to be able to like, I want to be able to bring in inch and an eighth with a crossbar. I want to be able to like, you know, I've developed like say the, the mini bands you want them today, but everything costs money. And I, we're just not there. You know, it's just, it takes a while to like build, to build it all up. Um, like, as I said, we're a trust product. I'm already like, I'm to the, I'm behind the eight ball where most people don't even know exist. Those that like do know you exist are still struggling with like, I mean, one, do they even need bars? Bars don't bend like they once did. And two, even once they do, are they going to give you the money to a little brand that they've not heard of? Are they going to go with a brand like Pro Taper or Rental that they already know is solid? So that the the hard part has just been the, is just the being as I always say trying to be impatiently patient because I don't beg people to like run it I want people to feel that connection to the brand and they want to buy it because they're stoked to like run it not because like I tried to trick you into doing it. 
Yeah, I, like I, I couldn't agree more. Like, uh, I got to imagine even the the biggest players within the space have noticed a huge downturn in in unit sales since um, bars like or bikes started coming with with decent handlebars. Most people most people forget that. Uh, like my 2004 KX125 came with steel handlebars on it, and uh, if you looked at it funny, the bars were bent, and then you'd have to go out and and, and get yourself replacements. But um, like earlier this year, I hit the ground so hard on uh, on my KTM 252 stroke. I barely remember it, but my the handlebars that the bike came with are straight as an arrow and um the, the yeah. reality is you just don't have to replace them as often as you used to but um i, I guess the uh the, the the struggle for yourself or i guess the mission is that when people do decide that they want to change things out or they do decide that uh hey the, like the the bars of the bike come like the uh, the bars of the bike came with don't quite suit me they don't feel right they don't fit right um that they when they decide to make that change that they uh they consider you guys and they they dial you up to uh to go get some more throttle therapy with uh with phoenix uh handlebars yeah yeah i mean that's obviously you're, you're always your hope that you just you know that you've done good things and that people will talk about it and all that stuff and trust that you know this is not just some cheeseball garage operation you know it's, it's a dude who's I mean, I hate making it about me, but like at the same time, it's like, say like, I know for myself, when I look at a new brand, I always want to know who's behind it. Where did it come from? When I read their about us and it's like some shitty, you know, blanket statement that talks about, I mean, it's fluff and goes nowhere. It's like, that's not relatable to me, but it's like somebody like, let's see, I mean, I like to think like, you know, the about us is like, Hey, this is somebody who never made it as, as a fast guy but he certainly understands like what you're about and that like say like what you're chasing as a, you know, as a moto dream, whether your dream is like trying to become a factory racer or your moto dream is just to be able to keep riding without like, you know, snapping your back for the next like 50 years. Well, rad, either way, I got you covered. I understand, you know, I've, I've seen both sides of it. Um, and people be like, that's my company. That's, that's super cool. You know, it's like, I mean, I, I think we all have those brands that like, you know, like you brought up the Starbucks, like, you know, why do people like, you know, like, why do they like Starbucks? It's like, you know, it's not about the coffee, you know, it's about the way that it makes you feel, you know, when you have that product, like, like in your hand, I always bring up Yeti coolers that nobody, well, rarely, maybe like in the U S most people don't need a $400 cooler no. to keep their beer cold for 11 days. People will tell me that they do, but I'm like, I think that like 98% of those coolers end up at their kids like soccer game. And in that case, you don't really need a $400 cooler, but the way the cooler makes you feel, you couldn't get $400 out of your pocket fast enough to like get that. I know I see them all over the goddamn place. So, you know, I totally agree. And that's actually something that I was thinking about, especially because, um, about say five or six months ago, I became an Amazon Prime uh, subscriber, and there's a ton of, of different products on there. Some like more uh, some established brands, some not established brands. But uh, I like I've always like I've had tons of pairs of sunglasses, ton, many pairs of Oakleys, uh, thanks to uh, our good friends over over there. Thanks, Patch. Uh, but like. 
buying Oakley sunglasses, like, is for me is so hard to justify because at $150, and then if you scratch them, the lenses are basically the same price as just getting a new pair. Um, like, I, I, I sit on too many pairs to make it worth it. Um, but then, like, so I, I order some knockoff brand. I don't even know what the brand was called. Um, and they come, show up to the door. They're, like, pretty decent decent sunglasses. They do the job. And if I if I sat on them, they're, they're $15. At what point do companies like that um, sort of really start to take market share away from a company like Oakley where, like, people... St- stop really acknowledging their like the fact that they're like the that aspiring brand if they're like you know what i mean like then we'll start to almost villainize that brand for being so expensive yeah yeah i I think about like all the time i mean of course like my pricing you know it's like pricing is always an interesting part because it's like i want to be considered a premium brand so i priced it accordingly but the last thing that i wanted to do was be you know, you don't want to, some people like make like pricing be artificially high just to make themselves look premium. And I feel like that's, you know, don't live that lie. That's silly. At the same time, I don't want to like make a cheap product because you want to be considered premium. Truth is, is like, say, I mean, my cost click on this stuff is not really all that great. Like people think that like, you know, you go to Asia and it's like, you buy it like for pennies on the dollar. It's like, well, that wasn't the case. You know, it's like my, my product, I've had a lot of costs involved to like create the brand and I funded it all myself um I had a small 401k that I had left over from like MSR and I was like screw it that money's you know we're not going to retire on that much money I paid the penalties and I started my company and I couldn't be more thankful I don't even give a shit that I gave up like saying that I paid like all the penalties of 401k because it allowed me to quit I think a Randy Richardson said it earlier, you know, like on his, uh, his senior citizen, he's a, he was an entrepreneur, you know, one of those guys who talked about things for years, but never did anything about it. Right. I could have easily have been that guy. And I took like, you know, 30 or 40 K or whatever it was. And I started this thing and if it ends tomorrow, man, dude, I tried something, you know, I tried something that like, I made, I made a splash like in the motorcycle industry with like, you know, with a handlebar brand. And I'm like, I couldn't be more stoked about that. So again, if it ends tomorrow, such is life, you know, but, um, but I wanted to like, I wanted to create, you know, even like all the way to the pricing side of things was, was important to me on how you kind of establish your brand. Um, bringing up the sunglasses thing, I've actually listened to a podcast with the guys from uh, Warby Parker and one of my takeaways from that was was they wanted like eyeglasses to not be as expensive well they didn't want to like product to end in 99 cents because they always feel like that's that thing at least in the u.s 99 cents you know it it's kind of that like sort of trickery that makes it seem like it's not really 90 dollars; it's only 89.99 yeah so i didn't want stuff like that i like you know and that sort of apple mentality it was like no my only stuff ends in zeros it's like don't trick people with like pricing it's like this is the price you know this is what it is you know it's like it's 88 dollars for a set of bars 12 dollars for a set of grips not 11.99 yeah oh i love your website i i honestly i i went through i've made a purchase yesterday so easy to navigate whether i was on my on my laptop or on my phone super easy you can click through 
uh, I had a, like, I placed my order and I had it paid for in probably about five minutes. Um, like related stuff is sort of connected. Whereas like I was kind of looking at grips and they kept sliding down. And then there's like the, um, grip donuts and stuff like that. I really, really like the way your, uh, your website is, is laid out. That was, um, yeah. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it's it shouldn't be, shouldn't be overcomplicated. So I said for something that like, I mean, one thing that kind of ring true is once you started like doing this I, i'm not a market research guy everybody talks about what market i don't need market research i've been riding for you know 30 plus years i know I mean, i've worked in the industry for most of that it's like i know what works for me if it's like i'm the lemon so if it's working for me it's gonna work yeah probably if, if you're the average guy okay. yeah i get it yeah so so i was like okay cool let's like let's try to build you know i wanted to keep it simple you know i was called in and out burger familiar with in and out burger it's like oh yeah animal style make it in and out burger yeah yeah it's like i don't have a we don't have a ton of product i'm not complicating things with you know chain and sprockets chain and sprockets to me don't belong with like the control group that's i understand why Renthal did it initially and i understand why everybody else has followed suit but i'm a handlebar brand that's like say it's about controls it's as the brand grows you're not going to not going to muddy the waters with like carrying chain guides or you know axle blocks that's not what i'm about it's like say it's handlebars i got plenty of room for growth in the handlebar grip world so we'll just we'll keep it like like right there um but yeah keeping making that like that purchasing experience simplified for for everybody it's like oh when i was going back to the market research when i have talked to people about like buying bars everybody says the same thing it's like oh dude it's such a pain in the ass to buy bars you know to try to find that bend most people probably don't go to like Renthal or ProTaper I could be wrong but I mean you're not purchasing from those websites most people probably go to like you know whether it's either their local dealer or their you know favorite online e-tailer that's e-tailer yes thanks brother so they're doing it that way so it's like in my case it's like I I'm not anti-dealer um, I like to support the dealers. I've been a dealer. My problem with dealers is a lot of times they don't like help themselves. You know, it's like, I want to see the guys. So I've only connected with a handful of really cool dealers that get it. They want to tell the story and that's the people who I want to be in. I'm not out to try to white and blanket every dealer with our stuff. Cause I don't want to just be thrown on the wall and I like hope that it sells kind of thing. And um, same goes for like, say like the e-commerce like channel. It's like, I haven't really reached out. I know those guys, I don't reach out to them. One, they probably wouldn't want to carry this stuff like right now, but even if they, you know, even if they did, I'm just, I'm not ready to go down that path. We'll, we get there together. And that's, that's one thing. But again, I'd rather, I don't want to just be a brand that is just there because we suit the need of being just the right price. Maybe I'm an idiot and I'll, my brand won't ever grow, but I always want to be, you know, I want, I want to be able to control that message. And to me, that kind of comes from the packaging and, and the excitement that I can hopefully like build into, into the, the brand experience. Yeah. It adds to the personality of the brand. All it is is handlebars and grips. Yeah. I, I, I think you're doing a fantastic, you guys have hats too, uh, and donuts. 
grip donuts that yeah. uh, I think I, I, I on my last bike I think I had the same grip donuts on there for uh, for half a decade. But uh, the, the I have a brand new set of, uh, of of Phoenix handlebar grips, grip donuts coming my way. And actually, this whole conversation I remember how it started. Actually, is that I was asking you whether or not you guys had uh, full full or uh, full diamond right. grips because I don't have uh, the biggest hands in the world, and I like to have. Uh, um, I like to have the the full diamond uh, feel for whatever reason, um, but you inform me that you guys do not yet have that. But uh, yeah, after uh, combing through uh, PhoenixHandlebars.com, where uh, people, if they're not already uh, going there or subscribing uh, on uh, on Instagram, uh, they need to go do that. Uh, I was able to find some uh, some black grips that uh, uh, I'm gonna give give a try. Uh, like uh, I'm gonna do some it. product testing for you uh, once the snow fly, <laughs> or once the snow goes away in about six months. I I appreciate it, man. Yeah, even even in terms of grips, it was like training. I had a guy friend of mine that uh, used to help me at Hammerhead. He did the the CAD work. He's over at Fox Shocks like now, and as basic as the grip is, I mean, half waffle style grip, but there were just little things like in the way that like. I had those little peculiarities of things that I wanted, like the, the rib on the outside of the grip. I like for that thing to be higher so that I can feel it with kind of the outside of your hand. I hate like when a grip just sort of falls off like out there, but I also don't yep. like when that like rib is like so tall that now you feel like that's like digging into the, to the heel of your hand. So I had to like kind of ramp that up or, uh, the one part that I'm always kind of happiest about is like a lot of grips that have, the inner safety wire channel, the one closest to the flange, a lot of times it's like right there. And I'm like, when you're using safety wire pliers, they start to spin and then they hit the flange. I'm like, that thing doesn't need to be that close. So I'm like, how about we move that like five millimeters in? All this, like all this conversation boils down to like, it costs a lot of money to like open up tooling for a grip. It would have been really easy. And I had a friend who said, why don't you just go to the factory and just like get an open mold and then you just package it in your stuff. Well, I couldn't bring myself to do that. I just didn't feel comfortable like selling a set of grips that not only didn't have our logo on it, but was just a standard set of grips. It's like, yeah, they're just a half waffle grip, but at least there's everything from the compound to the, the way that the little pieces of, you know, that all go together, make for a good experience. You just, I mean, it's the, it's the first point of contact on your bars. They should feel good. So. And, uh, yeah, we give like the, I found the supplier, our colors are sort of black, white, and gold. So I found a supplier that did, uh, a gold safety wire. So I include that. So sorry, you check Mark that you don't need any safety wire, but you're getting it because it's part of the experience. So come in anyway. <laughs> All right, cool. All cool. right. Up the, so. Uh, I actually, I don't, I typically don't use it cause, cause I'm bad at putting it on. So maybe, uh, this, yeah. li- this will uh, motivate me to, uh, to get. Uh, a little bit more proficient at that process. Well, you know, a lot of people like, uh, you know, the, the lock on grip is, is awesome. And truth is, is when we get to that place where we can afford it, I would bring them in. It's just, it's a lot of money to develop the tooling and the, and to buy the grips themselves. You know, most time those grips are almost nearly $30, you know, yeah. retail, which means they're going to my cost. They're going to be pretty high. And, uh, um, and then I kind of look at things like a lot of the, I mean, look at like, we've used standard grips for years and they were totally fine. I use like clear spray paint You throw them on, they stick. The safety wire is like, yes, is good. But to me, I thought, dude, the gold, like as a kid growing up, safety wire was like 
just the coolest looking thing. Like to see like any of the factory Honda bikes with their safety wire, I thought this was so trick. So to me, I was like, how could I not include something like that? That's part of the rad experience. And the fact that it ends up being gold just made it even all the more cool. Cause people ask me if they can buy the, if I'll sell them just the gold safety wire. I'm like, no, no gold safety wire comes with our grips. You want <laughs> gold buy, safety wire, buy, buy some, some damn grips. grips. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's the cool part about it. So now it's like say I only I keep that one. It just goes out with grips. I like it. Well, this has been really informative and very cool. Uh, I hope that uh, if people are uh, they're on their their uh, phone right now, they're listening. Uh, even if they're driving, pull over, uh, go follow. Um, phoenix handlebars on instagram go to the website find something you like go shop support um everything that you got going on and uh jason this has been a lot of fun i think that uh people are going to enjoy this podcast i think they're going to get what you're all about and uh know that there's a ton of soul that uh that goes behind this brand and uh i really appreciate you coming on to uh tell us a little bit about it mm, quite the contrary i mean I, I can't thank you enough for let me tell my story when what you do is always going to be so rad to me because again guys like yourself have got a following and make moto so cool that people are listening to it like on their drives like think about like if we would have killed them had something like that growing up you know we had to wait <laughs> we had to wait for our mxa to like show up like in a mailbox once a month that was the kind of the best we could get you know and then so what you do is is so rad man and i commend you for for like you know taking the time to do these shows i know it's it's a lot of work so thanks man and thanks for letting me like tell my my little story hey man i appreciate the kind words uh, i think that we're going to uh, uh definitely have to have you on the podcast again sometime whether it be uh, completely just shooting the shit uh about getting some of that throttle therapy or uh uh as things continue to grow over at uh phoenix handlebars i really appreciate you making some time for today uh, t- time for us today uh, as I fumble all my words out at the same time but uh, um, this has been a fantastic podcast and I look forward to chatting with you again do not hang up just yet but for podcast sake we're going to cut it off right there well there you have it the Big MX Radio podcast interview with Jason Gerald from Phoenix Handlebars I really hope you guys support his business and uh, ch- at least check out the website really clean look really easy to navigate and really easy to check out with your purchase, and uh, hopefully you guys do exactly that. This was a fantastic interview. I really enjoyed talking to Jason, and uh, I think he's definitely going to be a repeat offender here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Um, thanks for everybody who listened. Hopefully that you made it all the way this far, closing in an hour now. But uh, look forward to more episodes coming down the pipe. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>